This week is World Pet Obesity Awareness Day. October 11th, 2023 is the day that we set aside to recognize the dangers of obesity in our pet patients. And this week, we've got an expert to talk to you about some exciting survey results and how we as the veterinary profession can help impact the health of the pet patients we love. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine, and a tough topic that we've been tackling here on the podcast, as well as me in my life, for a long time is pet obesity. And this week, we want to share with you some exciting results from a recent consumer pet owner weight survey, along with how we can celebrate World Pet Obesity Awareness Day. But before we get into all that celebration, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And unfortunately, our other co-host, Becky Mosser, RBT, can't be with us today due to all of her busy world traveling, speaking, and making a difference in the world. But we are joined today by a really special guest. And I can't wait for you guys to meet Dr. Jason Gagne. He is Purina's Director of Veterinary Communication, and he leads really a fantastic team over there. He also partners with the Purina Research and Development Scientists, and he is one of those people behind a lot of the innovations and he would say renovation in veterinary nutrition. He's authored so many publications in veterinary journals and textbooks. He lectures all over the place, I mean, around the world. He's also a scientific reviewer for many of the journals that we all read. And he's also involved with the American Kennel Club Canine Health Foundation. And if that's not enough, he also serves as a board member at the Animal Protective Association. Good work, folks, in St. Louis, Missouri. Jason's originally from New York, and he went to that little school up there called Cornell Veterinary School at the Cornell University. He practiced for a few years, but decided that, you know what, I want to make a big difference in corporate world and research world. So he goes back to Cornell, does his small animal clinical nutrition residency, and then he goes over to Purina way back in 2012. And I want to thank him for joining us today. We're going to talk about why I want to thank him some more. But Jason, thank you so much for joining the Viewfinders. Thank you, Ernie. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate the invite. This is fantastic, and I'm um, looking forward to having a discussion here uh, with you on obesity. Yeah, well, and today this is being launched on World Pet Obesity Awareness Day. And, and Jason, you know, we started this thing back in 2005. It used to be National Pet Obesity Awareness Day, and now we've kind of expanded that into the world because... It's a worldwide problem. But I also want to kind of thank publicly, once again, uh, Purina Pro Plan, because you guys came on as a charter sponsor for the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. So uh, I want to thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for giving us the opportunity. Once again, uh, it truly is uh, a global issue. It needs to be better recognized, and uh, we need to have better communication uh, about it. So uh, I think this is uh, great and uh, just, again, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today, Ernie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's companies like Purina that have been leading the innovation in therapeutic diets. And let's be honest, viewfinders, I mean, really the only tool that we have in our disposal is therapeutic diets, right? I mean, you know, it, it's really exercise more, eat less, and 
you know, those really aren't great solutions, but we do have some very creative formulations that can help. And so again, I think Purina Pro, Pro Plan, <laughs> it's easy for me to say, Purina Pro Plan has been leading the way. Um, one thing too, uh, Jason, you know, as, as we discussed, it is a global issue. We are starting to work with, you know, organizations around the world, the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, that is. And, you know, back in 2017 and 2018, we wound up getting about 27 of the world's largest, and I would say, you know, preeminent veterinary organizations, you know, these are the endocrinologists, the nutritionists, the surgeons, the everybody's to sign what we call the Global Pet Obesity Initiative. And that was sort of to declare obesity a disease, define it, and also to standardize like our definitions and even our body condition score. So I, again, Purina has been sort of right in the middle of all that. And, and again, I think a lot of times, you know, we forget to thank you guys, but once again, thank you. <laughs> now it's, it, it really, it, I have the pleasure, the privilege really of working for Purina, who's been rooted in the science all of these years. Um, and, you know, really leading a charge there. If you're not, if you're familiar with our lifespan study, Ernie, which I'm sure you are, um, yeah, that yeah. was a 14-year study going from 1988 to 2002 uh, about those 48 Labrador retrievers and one group being fed 24, uh, 25% less uh, calories than their uh, paired litter mates in the other uh, group. Uh, and really just showing that those dogs being fed 25% less, the only difference being calories between those groups, they can live a median lifespan longer of 1.8 years, almost two years longer. Right. And it wasn't just quantity of life either. It was quality of life. Right. Because, right. yeah, if you compare the groups, that was three years longer before the group that was being lean-fed to that ideal body condition. They uh, It took them about three years longer to be uh, start to undergo treatment for osteoarthritis. And that, that's really saying something in an older Labrador retriever. I think we can both agree on that. Oh yeah, and Jason, I'll tell you, we cite that that you know that was really one of those groundbreaking benchmark studies. We'd never seen anything like that, viewfinders. I mean, you know, a lot of you weren't in the profession back then, but when this thing was done, and I'll be honest with you, Jason, I remember when it was first started, and I was like, "What? A lifetime study? That's a what?" Because <laughs> a lot of us were we, we were skeptical, right? Because the completion of something like that is really that's that's quite a, a gamble, right? I mean, that's a long you know fourteen, fifteen years you're looking at. But but regardless, in addition to the delay in osteoarthritis symptoms, we also saw a delay in reduction in cancers and almost all other chronic conditions. So, you know, again, guys, if you want to see, you know, we've got these sort of broken out from the Purina Lifetime Study on our website. So we've got little infographics you can share with your clients that talk about some of these important findings. But but I do want to fast forward to today because you guys, uh, in kind of in conjunction, and, and I'll tell you what's interesting, viewfinders, is, you know, we've been doing these surveys for the Association for pet obesity prevention. If you don't help us, please do, guys. I know many of you listeners do, but go to the website petobesityprevention.org and heck, if you just type in pet obesity, we're going to pop right up in Google and um, sign up because we do two things. Uh, we, number one, we do our prevalence surveys every other year. So this is an off year. So this is the odd year. So 2024, we'll be asking you to record BCS and, 
and weight data on pets. But this year, we ask you for opinions on different um, topics, right? And so a lot of those things really help. We also sync that up with pet owners. So we try to compare and contrast. So you can definitely check out the years of survey. But but you guys just completed at Prina Pro Plan. I'm going to have trouble. I always have trouble saying that. A lot of alliteration. But uh, where you sort of looked at pet owners' attitudes towards obesity and feeding. So maybe just give us the high level, and then I'd like to go into some of the, the specifics. Yeah, really, I think, as you said, Ernie, there, I think we can uh, both agree that we're dealing with a very prevalent disorder, not just nationally, but globally as well. And I, I say some of the highlights there, dog owners need to better recognize excess weight. In, yes. in their pets, okay? And then, you know, it's it's not that the owners don't care about it. They actually do. And, you know, we can delve into that a little bit as we go along here of, of why we know that. But um, the owners recognizes that, you know, changes in behavior uh, since the drugs have become overweight. They want to do something about it. We need to do better as a um, profession, actually, at communicating that and understanding uh, what is associated with obesity. And we have solutions. We have some practical tips and we have uh, solutions. Right. And again, guys, you know, again, go to petobesityprevention.org. We'll also link you back to the uh, Purina study and so forth. But but I want to kind of uh, point out a couple of quick things. Purina found just recently that about one in five uh, dog owners said, hey, you know, uh, my dog might be a little overweight. So we know that doesn't match up. So less than 20% of the dog owners out there are going, yeah, I think my, my dog's body condition is not ideal. And we know that based on our latest survey from 2022, that's about 59% of the dogs. And guys, many of you that are listening today are going, only 59% of the dogs are overweight. It seems like there's a lot more. And there probably are. But again, you know, we do have some limitations on reporting. The other thing too, Jason, I think is, is really... I think sort of shocking is the fact that a third of the pet owners who had in our survey who had overweight or pets with obesity, uh, 32% said their dog or cat was normal, right? And so there's again this asynchrony, this mismatch between reality and uh, and and actually the body condition. I mean, you know, I mean, you see that as well clinically as a clinical nutritionist, right? I absolutely do, and it, it, it's a very large disparity, as, you, as you're pointing out there, and this is one of those reasons when, you know, I, I, I talk with owners and I tell them, you know, puppies and kittens, they're coming in, right, you know, for, you know, the, those vaccines, they're coming in for advice. That is the proper time to actually teach them and educate them on how to body condition score um, our, their dogs, uh, what an opportunity at that point, um, and then carry that out throughout life. Um, we may be only seeing them once a year in the exam room, uh, but uh, they're seeing them every day. And they're the ones that are feeding them and educating them to how to feed and why they should be uh, feeding the correct amount is of utmost importance. Right. And, and two viewfinders, a lot of times when I talk to veterinarians and veterinary technicians, they go, you know what? Uh, I don't, I don't think my pet owners, they don't want to hear this nutrition stuff from me. Like they, 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 they don't, they don't want me to talk about their weight, but they do. And in fact, the survey conducted by Purina just reinforces what we have found every year. And that is consistently between about 70% roughly of our respondents, Jason, say that the vet is who they want to hear nutritional information from. You guys found 68% and you're 
survey, right? I mean, so they want to hear this information, nutritional guidance from a veterinary professional. I mean, it seems very clear. And, and in fact, we have a, other surveys uh, as well showing that the 90% of pet owners trust the veterinarian is the number one source of nutritional information. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, so, so again, guys, pet owners are desperate to help. They, they know that there's some issues. I mean, many of them don't know how to recognize it, but they want our help because they know it affects the quality of life. And that was one of the things that you guys did a great job in this most recent survey, talking about some of the, the changes that owners were observing, right? So maybe speak to that just a little bit. Yeah. So, um, in fact, um, the, the, well, I would say the benefits of it, though, Ernie, they, they're, they're actually citing this and saying this in the survey that if my pet is to lose weight, I feel that they're going to have increased energy. They're yes. going to have increased mobility. They're going to have reduced risk of illness and reduced joint pain. And that, that's all correct. They will. And, in, and as they actually look back to their pets, you know, in if, you, if we term this kind of a pre and post, if you will, they're saying, you know, 92% of the owners are agreeing with the statement, I'm sad when my dog can't participate in activities right. that, that he or she enjoyed when his or her weight was ideal. They're, right. they're, they're indicating that their dog is having difficulty climbing stairs that they were able to climb. Um, they're less engaged. They're less playful with the family. They're less interested in going on the walks that they used to since they've, be, they've become overweight. So it, it is, the owners are recognizing this. They're also recognizing that, you know, the old adage of food is love, which hurts me as a nutritionist, Ernie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they're also recognizing that, you know, food can be love. Um, and that they have, try to take steps to help their dogs lose uh, weight. Um, they've taken actions in this regard. They've, they've reduced the food portions. So 56% of the owners are saying, I've reduced food portions. 53% are saying, we've reduced treating. 52% are saying, we've increased exercise. So at least half of the, these owners have taken those three steps. And even some of them are saying, we've reduced feeding of table scraps, which... Table scraps is an entirely different topic, nutritionally speaking. However, 8 in 10 of these overweight dogs are being fed dog snacks or treats, and 46% of these overweight dogs are being fed table scraps or human food. Yeah, and again, I, I know, and again, viewfinders, this just is reinforced, like, you know, I don't know how many surveys we have to, to tell you guys about, and you guys know this stuff out there, but, but pet owners are trying to help their pet lose weight. They found in the recent survey from Purina that about 80%, 85% of dog owners said, hey, I'm trying, I've, I have tried, or I'm trying to help my dog lose weight. In our 2022 survey, 73% of the dog owners said, hey, I've tried to help my, pet, my dog lose weight, and 58% of cat owners, so cat owners, we got to do a better job. But regardless, they're trying, they don't know how, and they they want our help. And I'll tell you, we also, like you, Jason, in our surveys, we measure like, what did they do? And so obviously the biggest thing is they just reduced the amount they were feeding, which can reduce the, the nutrition that they're getting. So, you know, we can do better. This is where therapeutic diets really become super important. Now, this leads me to, to a, a really important point, viewfinders, because as a veterinary professional, you know, we have, we should be following evidence-based 
out, you know, outcomes, right? So what works with our patients? And we need science and, and real research to back that up. And, and really what we've got, because we don't have drugs, right? We don't have surgeries. We don't have any magic pills. <laughs> we've got therapeutic weight loss diets. And, and the reason that I continue to emphasize the importance for weight loss is because when we are reducing calories, if we just take a maintenance diet and we just cut the calories by 20%, for example, we'll we're also reducing micro and macronutrients by 20%. By 20%. And, Jason, and Jason, that, that could, could lead, lead to, to, to trouble, to in, trouble some in some patients. It could. It's been shown over and over again through other research that reducing those leads to long-term nutritional deficiencies. And it's really important, Ernie. I, you, we have to understand that pet owner. We have to put ourselves in their shoes and say, well, you know what? If I reduce the food, I am reducing the calories. And you absolutely are. You are. And what, But what you're really after is to be reduced reducing that fat content of the diet because we know that fat is more concentrated. It's more energy dense than any protein or carbohydrate um, or any vitamin or mineral for that matter. It's just not necessarily contributing the same uh, form of energy. However, you're also reducing when if you're just simply reducing that, uh, let's say over the counter food, right? Um, You're reducing the protein. You're reducing the selenium, the zinc, the choline, and so forth. Yeah, right. You're reducing everything yeah, yeah. that could lead to those long-term nutritional deficiencies. And again, so so guys, when you're out there and when you're confronting a, a patient that has gained a little weight and they need to get to that ideal body condition, you really do need to be recommending strongly therapeutic weight loss diets because that's all we've got. And look, this guys, I mean, you know, this is, I've kind of spent since 2005, this has been a large focus of, of my professional career and interest. And, and that's what we've got, right? And who knows, maybe one day we'll have a semaglutide for a type of drug for dogs. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, but regardless, right now we have to continue to focus on therapeutic diets. Yeah. So Ernie, what I would also say is it's, not when we talk about that formulation of therapeutic diets, it's not just about reducing the fat. That's a primary component of it, of course, because you do reduce the energy density or the caloric intake. But it's also about the other nutrients, particularly protein and increasing that protein. That is going to help preserve that lean body mass. And I've been asked the question when I've been out, um, you know, speaking with veterinarians across the country. It's, well, why do I care about that? You care about it because it does contribute to lean body mass. That lean body mass in and of itself is inherently burning calories for you. It's very metabolically active. So the last thing you want to do when you're trying to lose weight is to be reducing protein. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how many studies we have to have, both human and animals, that show that exact, that simple little tenet. So we need to continue to preserve protein. We need optimal levels of protein while we're reducing calories. You know, so, I mean, the the holy grail has always been that higher protein, higher fiber formulation with all the micro and macronutrients that we need while dropping the calories. Uh, The other thing too, Jason, that a lot of people, you know, worry about as veterinary professionals, and I've written about this going all the way back to my first pet obesity book way back in 2010 called Chowhounds. And I spent considerable time talking about the emotional conversation, right? And I've written textbook chapters like you and all kind of lectures and blah, blah, blah. But but a lot of times vets are afraid of inadvertent, inadvertently offending or embarrassing a client. And, and one of the things we've asked the past couple of years in our surveys is, have you ever felt uncomfortable or embarrassed about a veterinarian or veterinary team member saying your pet needs to lose weight? So we 
wanted to ask it just directly. And two-thirds of our pet owners surveyed said they have not felt embarrassed or uncomfortable after being told their pet needs to lose weight, right? Only 17% in our survey in 2022, Jason, said, hey, I was uncomfortable or felt embarrassed, right? I mean, so, you know, again, guys, a lot of times we are building up these barriers in our own minds to avoid these conversations when the reality is this. Vets, uh, pet owners trust the vets for nutritional information. Pet owners want to talk about this because they want to preserve longevity and quality of life. And they're not as embarrassed as you might think. Right, Jason? They're not. They're not. I I, I personally, um, I, I have not had the situation where I felt uncomfortable approaching an owner about it. I do think there is a technique to doing that, though, Ernie. Yes, of um, course. You know, it, you know it, sometimes, you know, we're very busy. Uh, we need to get to the next appointment because let's let's face it, our days are packed. We're all busy, um, but we need to take the time and uh, have this discussion. And in fact, I think this is a call to action for all of us as a profession to say, "Hey, you know what? We can utilize the entire staff here uh, in hospital. Yes. We, this is a team effort, um, like it is for many uh, situations. But obesity really, truly does lend itself, uh, and in fact, all of nutrition really lends itself to being a, a team atmosphere uh, to make the, uh, the the business environment more efficient. What I would say is, uh, I want to say the 2021 AHA guidelines actually are probably um, something that you should refer to uh, for this. Uh, I think it was written up extremely well in there. But toward the end of the uh, toward the end of the appointment, what I find myself asking is permission to have the conversation uh, yeah. with an owner and asking and saying, hey, you know what? Is it okay if uh, you know we, we talk about Hank's diet, for example? Um, and you know those owners, 99% of the time, they're going to say, yeah. Uh, if they, you know, that 1% you come across, they say no, then they were probably going to say no anyway. And they probably weren't going to be receptive to you. But yeah. those owners do want to hear. They, they, they're they looking for this advice and we need to be giving it to them. Yeah. And, and last year, guys, I did a three-part um article series in today's veterinary business. And one of the entire uh, articles was devoted to this communication strategies, again, getting permission and this narrative nutritional history that I described uh, the way that I use it. And I've taught my uh, vets and techs to use it over the years. So if you want to check that out, you, if I think it's on my Instagram, if you go to the like Lincoln bio, I think there's there's a link in that, that kind of stuff, but you can find it out there. If you go to today's veterinary business and literally just type in Ernie Ward nutrition or obesity, and you'll find that stuff out. So, so so again, you know, I think we, we've made a good case that we should be having this conversation. But but let's get back to let's say that now we've got that that engaged, willing, you know, they've given us permission client in front of us, Jason. How do we? I mean, in your advice and recommendation and experience, how do we actually talk about the need to transition from a maintenance diet to a therapeutic weight loss one? Well, it's 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 a great question, and I appreciate it. Um, so. Usually when I'm having that conversation and I gain that permission, um, you know, I, I will talk to them about the benefits of weight loss, um, you know, the longer lifespan as, you know, cited by the lifespan study that we talked about earlier, um, you know, the less risk of illness, um, you know, whether that be urolithiasis, whether that be uh, diabetes uh, and so forth um, as well. And then I, I talk about transitioning to another diet and the appropriate diet at that as i as, as i look at the pet um 
as I mentioned before, I'm going to want to have that reduced fat content, that increased protein. Um, what's interesting, as uh, you know, you've you've brought up earlier, is that uh, you know, Purina is kind of one of those uh, powerhouses when it comes to R and D. I oh, yeah. have the pleasure yeah, 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 of yeah. working with a lot of brilliant minds in the R&D uh, community of Purina. And it's not just about, hey, you know what? We did this study from 1988 to 2002. That's decades ago at this point. It's about keeping up with the research. It's about understanding what's going on with obesity. And as we learn more at that bench top, um, as we learn more in practice, Purina is keeping up with that. And we have just recently, and because of that, we incorporate all of the findings over the years. And we have recently launched a newer diet known as Purina Pro Plan Veterinary Diets OM Metabolic Response Plus Joint Mobility. Right, so. Right. We know that those overweight dogs are many times older. They may be actually in the mature age, and most of them, many of them are, as you know, Ernie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they could be older. They could be suffering from joint issues as well. And we have our joint mobility features um, within this new OM diet that we launched earlier this year as well. So high protein, low fat, high fiber. But the key to the diet really is the protein to starch ratio. And yes. that's what's driving the metabolic differences with that yep. we saw within our study. Yeah, because that's what that's what initiates fat storage pathways, guys. I mean, you know, this this is not well. It's not. I say it's not rocket science. It kind of is, but at this day and age, we kind of know this. And again, it's now about. And I said earlier, it's about clever formulations. You know, these guys have come up with some very creative dietary solutions, but we got to get it in front of of, of our pet owners. I mean, you know, Jason, that's really the one thing. And and I'll tell you, and finally, as we sort of near the end of today's conversation. I, there's still a strong, and we survey you guys, and please go to petobesityprevention.org in October. Uh, the, the survey is now live. It'll go till the end of the year, and we need veterinary professionals to weigh in as well. But when we surveyed vets over the year, vet techs and vets over the years, Jason, you know, they, they often cite a reason for not recommending therapeutic weight loss diets because they feel like a salesperson, right? They feel like they're trying to sell something. And, and, and I try to tell people therapeutic weight loss diets are kind of in the same category category, at least in my mind and opinion, as like any other drug, right? Any other therapy. Like, I, I don't know why we've somehow set it aside, like, and lumped it in with just regular dog food. It's like, no, this is actually to, to, to exact a specific medical outcome. Therapeutic diets are part of a treatment plan for many, many disorders that uh, pets uh, experience, which is why I love being a nutritionist. It allows me to speak to a gastroenterologist, a urologist, an orthopedist, and so forth. In this case, um, though, it is a component of a treatment plan. Um, so having that conversation about, yes, the, why do we want to do this? Citing the benefits, hooking them with the right diet is of utmost importance, but it's also about being conscientious of how much are you feeding, measuring that serving, Ernie, and um, you know, giving them direction. It's not oh, feed between this and this. You know, it's no. This is what your pet should weigh. This is how much you should feed, um, so that they have that steady weight loss. And then recognizing, as we talked about earlier, treats. You know, so 
Some people say, yes, I've reduced the treats, but yes, I also feel guilty when my pet comes back. Treats are allowed. Treats are okay. Just don't exceed 10% of the daily caloric intake is all I would ask. And when you actually do that, you know, calculation, you think about that, come up with that number, that's going to limit you on what treats you're going to feed. So at that point, maybe it is green beans, right? Maybe it is baby carrots. It doesn't have to be, you know, one of these treats that has three to 500 calories. (laughs) Right. And there are plenty of those available on the market, guys, I can tell you. And that's and that's what dogs crave. And I, I would encourage you guys also to go to petobesityprevention.org. Check out the 2022 survey because we we really did some extensive research last year of pet parents. And we we ask about these, you know, like, like for example, Jason, we said, do you believe, and we used Likert scales for this, is pet obesity a result of overfeeding? And, uh, you know, 73% strongly or somewhat agreed that pet obesity resulted from overfeeding is pet obesity caused by poor feeding choices, right? And we kind of left that a little bit open. Uh, 70% said uh, they somewhat agreed and strongly is, or strongly agreed. So again, the majority of people said, hey, poor feeding choices. And, and only 43% uh, were neutral. People don't know about treating pet obesity as a biological disorder, which, you know, Jason, we can't escape that either. I mean, there's obesity is a multifactorial disease state, right? It's not just use one thing that does it. Uh, so again, you know, definitely guys go dig in because what I think you can, what I would encourage you to do, I mean, we've got some shareables that you can use for pet obesity awareness day and month and so forth. But I also think you should look through some of these survey results and maybe address them head on. For example, we ask, do you believe pet obesity is caused by inadequate exercise, right? Six said yes. So you could start to maybe lean into that and say, hey, here are some simple exercise tips, which of course we provide on the website. Uh, Jason, again, as we sort of wrap up today, any last bits of advice to that veterinarian, veterinary technician out there who's still a little hesitant to bring up the topic of obesity or therapeutic weight loss diets with a client? What's that last bit of advice or encouragement that you might provide? We've already talked about this earlier, Ernie. They want to hear from us. We are that trusted source. So it's kind of our stewardship to uh, discuss it with them and utilize the team, utilize our veterinary technician, utilize our veterinary assistants, even even making sure that as they come in the door, utilizing the, the receptionist possibly, utilizing the scale, um, so on and so forth. It's a team effort. Uh, it, it could be done very successfully. I've seen it, uh, weight loss plans, have great successes across the country. So really, it is our call to action uh, to better recognize and implement uh, weight loss plans. And, you know, Ernie, I will um, just mention quickly here that um, the your, your, your website, the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, that has a plethora of information there, just wonderful uh, information uh, on there. So thank you for leading this charge as well um, and helping all of us out. Oh, gosh. Well, listen, guys, we are amping it up with the help of folks like Jason Gagne from Purina. And again, we want to thank, uh, on behalf of the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, uh, them for joining as a charter sponsor. Because again, you know, it's with 
their efforts, their commitments and dedication that we can actually make a difference in the lives and well-being of the pets that we love to serve. So again, Jason, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We'll have links in the show notes to everything you need, including the Prina survey, our survey. I'll also make sure I include a link to that three-part series I did last year in today's veterinary business on how you can actually go about initiating a pet weight loss program in your clinic from start to finish. And so again, we want to just supply you with as much information, as many tools and resources as possible. And again, Purina is a really important part of that. So Jason, thanks again. All right, guys, you stay safe. If you want to connect with us, you know where to go. We're on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. We're on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder. We're not doing the Twitter X, whatever they're calling it these days very much. And if you want to email us, if you have a question, comment, suggestion, whatever, you can email us at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. On behalf of Becky, bye guys. Take care. Thank you, everyone.